my name is Pete Redden, and welcome to The Way I Taught It. Next level aviation knowledge in microbursts. This episode is brought to you by Vapor Global Aviation, creating tomorrow's pilots today through knowledge, application, and skill. Look into our newest offering for general aviation pilots, upset prevention and recovery training. Three hours of ground, coupled with two flights in our aerobatic Cetabria. Look them up on Facebook and LinkedIn, Vapor Global Aviation, or contact us at VaporGlobalAviation at gmail.com. All one word, VaporGlobalAviation at gmail.com. On with today's episode, Airmets and Signets. Welcome to another episode of The Way I Taught It, on the road edition from Denver, Colorado. Currently, I'm providing exam services to a flying school located in Loveland, Colorado. Unfortunately, the last two days have been under airmet and sigmets due to high winds, turbulence, and low-level wind shear. All things you want on your exam day, right? Unfortunately, with the winds gusting up to 38 knots, there is no way to get off the ground in a Cessna 172 for an exam, let alone safely taxi to the active runway. Weather is one of the weakest areas I've seen on both practical exams and written test results. The same 12 categories of weather of which a minimum of three must be tested, are contained in the Airman Certification Standards for each certificate or rating you can earn. I'll let you look them up. Today we'll discuss airmets and sigmets, and then demonstrate how a scenario for instruction and preparation for the practical exam can be generated. Let's break down the basic definition of an airmet and sigmet. Both are considered in-flight weather advisories and can be located or accessed online via FAA flight planning tools or via a flight service station, either in flight or on the ground, via radio frequency or telephone, depending on where you are. Yes, you can get them through your favorite flight planning software as well. Just remember, flight planning software is a repeater of information, not the source of information. So let's talk about airmet. Airmets are issued every six hours as required for a specific area. Immediate updates are provided as needed. It contains operational information, specifically weather information, for all aircraft, mostly targeting light general aviation aircraft. A SIGMET is issued for unscheduled forecasts of rapidly changing weather that is non-convective in nature, not associated with thunderstorms. They normally run four hours in length, six hours if issued for a hurricane. A convective SIGMET is an unscheduled forecast due to convective activity, i.e. thunderstorms and each forecast is two hours in duration. A couple of quick things in general. All airmets and sigmets are forecasts. They are not necessarily saying that these conditions are actually happening right now, with the exception of a few instances. Let's discuss airmets for a moment. They are six hours in length for a specific area, specific to light aircraft, but applicable to all. Think moderate on a scale of light, moderate, and severe. There are three types. They are forecasts that the atmosphere is conducive to the conditions sometime in the next six hours. Airmet Sierra is widespread IFR and mountain obscurations. Ceilings less than a thousand feet, visibilities less than three nautical miles. When you think of this, think of the Sierra Nevada mountains in California. Mountain obscuration, mountain obscuration leads to IFR. Airmet Tango, potential moderate turbulence, strong surface winds, above 30 but less than 49 knots and low level wind shear. When you think tango, think turbulence, T for turbulence. That'll lead you to turbulence, that'll lead you to what causes turbulence, which is strong winds, 
that'll lead you to surface winds and low level wind shear. Finally, Zulu. Zulu denotes the freezing level is low enough to create a risk of moderate icing if you're flying through visible precipitation. When we think Zulu, think Z, the Z in freezing, and that's a good way to remember it. Now, in the AIM and in the weather advisory circular, it discusses an airmet called the G airmet, or graphical airmet. This is a new airmet, and with access to a computer, it is an interactive up to 12 hours out beyond the current airmet where you can interact with that airmet and change the time and change your altitudes and determine if that airmet is going to affect you out into the future. The underlying basic airmet is renewed every six hours in this scenario, but the G airmet has the basic six hour airmet plus another 12 hours. So pretty much it's an airmet that covers a wide area greater than 3,000 uh, square miles, and it has information out to 18 hours from the current or the issued time. Again, remember these are all forecasts of possible or potential weather conditions that may affect your route of flight. Now you're thinking, why is he harping on this forecast thing? More to come on that later. Sigments, again, issued for unforecasted weather or atmospheric events due to non-convective activity, activity and four hours in duration. Sigmets are potentially hazardous to all aircraft. Think airmets, but on a severe level. Severe icing, severe turbulence, to include clear air turbulence, widespread IFR, not just localized, sandstorms, dust storms, volcanic ash. Again, this is an unscheduled forecast of potentially severe weather. Convective sigmets Think weather events due to thunderstorms. Convective activity. Convection is where heat and moisture is rising, and that's what happens when you get a thunderstorm. If it is a weather forecast that may affect the safety of flight for everyone. So a sigma is significant meteorological event, and this is a safety concern for everyone. Where a sigmet by itself is a hazard and an airmet is a hazard for small aircraft. So think airmet hazard for small aircraft, sigmet hazard for all aircraft, and then convective sigmet is a safety of flight concern for everyone involved. A sigmet contains a forecast for the following weather phenomenon, severe or embedded lines of thunderstorms, winds greater than 50 knots, heavy precipitation covering more than 40% of a 3,000 square mile area, a three quarter inch hail falling at the surface, surface and tornadoes. Now that we've su successfully defined all the knowledge we need to know and where to find more when we need it and wait to the end of the podcast and I'll give you some more references, let's get into the application portion because knowledge without application, we don't develop skills. We take forecasts, aramids and sigmets and they should be heated and taken very seriously by general aviation pilots. That doesn't mean your $100 pancake or $100 hamburger is immediately canceled just because an airmet was issued. It means you must manage the risk of going to get that $100 hamburger or that $100 pancake. When it comes to airmets, there is a six hour period that is covered when the specific weather phenomenon will occur. It may occur in the first hour, it may occur in the last hour. It may occur in the four hours in the middle of the airmet 
six hour period, or it could be for the entire six hours based on what the data, what the evidence is showing you. So let's take Aramid Tango for moderate turbulence. Let's say it's active during our planned $100 hamburger run. We figure an hour flight to the hamburger, an hour to eat the hamburger, and an hour flight home. Let's say our flight is in the first three hours of the six hour window that the airmit has been issued. We're gonna need to do some extra, and I put that in air quotes because we should be doing the same amount of flight planning for every flight, but we're gonna do some extra flight planning to assess this risk. First, I would start with looking for evidence that turbulence is actually occurring in the form of pyreps in your area. A good place to go for pyreps is to call the flight service station and ask them if there are any, or get your uh, abbreviated briefing or your standard briefing or your outlook briefing as the case may be. Remember, an outlook briefing goes out into the future six hours, and that just so happens to uh, correlate with a six hour window for airmets. So you'll go there, you'll ask for the pyreps in your area to see if pilots are reporting moderate or greater turbulence, maybe even light turbulence, because light turbulence is the first step towards moderate turbulence. Next, I will look at surface winds along the route. Are any surface winds already above 30 knots or above your personal minimums for winds? Is there any wind shear reported? I would look at the winds aloft and see if there's any significant wind speed or wind direction changes at altitude. I would look at the tafts along the route and attempt to narrow down when the turbulence is going to occur. If doing all that shows the turbulence is not due to hit till the second half of the airmit valid time, I'm leaning towards go and I'm ensuring I have sick bags for my passengers. I prefer to bring the large black garbage bags. They're really hard to miss when you're bouncing around because you got a pretty big opening on them and they bring a bit of comedy relief to the pre-flight briefing. But there's more before we can go. What happens if we get the pancake and now the turbulence has arrived earlier than your pre-flight evidence determined? Or maybe you're in flight and you run into it while airborne. We know to go through the same planning process before takeoff and determine if we should take off. And if we do, because the evidence supports a return flight, what do we do if we encounter the turbulence? We need to apply some skill now by way of flying the aircraft below maximum cru structural cruising speed, i.e. the top of the green arc, and preferably below maneuvering speed. This will ensure no damage to the aircraft. We need to decide to divert or continue. Having checked the surface winds, we'll know what airports support a divert and which ones don't. Contact a flight service station using frequencies found in the upper right corner of the VOR information boxes for your area. Better yet, get that frequency before you take off so you have it handy when you need it. Don't just cancel because Airman X is issued. Do the footwork of pre-flight planning and determine if you have options. If you don't have options or the data suggests that the turbulence has already arrived along your route of flight, it is a no-go. Now, what happens when you get to that divert location or what happens when you get to your, your, your original point of departure and now the winds are within your personal minimums, but they're rather gusty? We have to remember that the Airplane Flying Handbook and an advisory circle I can't really pull off the top of my head at the moment, they basically provide guidance to do one of two things. If you read the Airplane Flying Handbook, it will say to add the gust factor or potentially 
only half the gust factor. And if you read the advisory circular uh, that I don't know off the top of my head, it will say use half the gust factor. So if the winds are 10 gusts into 20, 15 gusts into 25, your steady state wind is 15, your gust is 25, which means your gust factor is 10 knots, the difference between the steady state wind and the gust wind. So that's 10 knots, we take half of that, that's five, and we're gonna add five knots on to our final approach indicated airspeed. Now, if you wanna go up to 10, you can, because the Airplane Fly Handbook does say that, but there is further clarification in advisory circulars that it's only supposed to be half, or the FAA only recommends half. If you do use the full gust factor, remember you're gonna use more runway than what you planned. Even with that headwind, you're still coming in 10 knots faster than you normally would. So be careful with that. We're gonna add that factor on there, and why are we gonna add that factor? Because if we establish our final approach indicated airspeed during a gust, and then that gust all of a sudden goes away, we're gonna lose 10 knots, but because we're flying five knots faster, we're only gonna be five knots below our indicated airspeed for final approach, which is still within the airman certification standards, and it's still within a safe margin to allow the aircraft to fly. If you use the full gust factor, then, and you established your um, approach speed at the full gust factor of 10 knots above your normal, well, if you lose that 10 knots, you're gonna be right at your approach speed. But just remember, the more speed you add, the more you're gonna use up runway, uh, and you're gonna to have to take that into account. Now, with regards to segments and convective segments, if there is even a hint of any type of condition that falls into these categories, that is a hard no-go. Prior to segments being issued, you will most likely have airmets issued with supporting evidence that the atmosphere is not your friend today. So if there's segments issued that were previously airmets, you need to start looking at the radar, you need to start looking outside, you need to start looking for uh, the actual events occurring because they might. And you may have a segment for thunderstorms and there may not be any thunderstorms on the radar yet, but if you have any sort of turbulence uh, reported or if you're encountering any type of turbulence because you're already airborne when the segment comes out, you got to get on the ground because that's the, 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 the atmosphere is losing stability and you're going to get those thunderstorms, you're going to get that hail, you're going to get those tornadoes and all the worst things in the world that come along with it. Remember, a SIGMET is everything that an AIRMET is, it just goes from a moderate level to a severe level. So it's severe turbulence, severe widespread IFR, severe icing. Here's my final thought. As we know, real life is not academic. We are dealing with all sorts of pressures that drive us to rationalizing it will not happen to me. If you are a private or commercial pilot, whether going to pick up grandma or a client, some of us will continue a bit further into this scenario due to our own individual risk acceptance based on our experiences. So every flight instructor and every designated pilot examiner should be asking the hardest question of all to answer when a pilot provides a correct but oversimplified answer. Why? If we, the professional educators and examiners of general aviation, take the additional step of asking why did you decide that, we can drive home the dangerous realities of aviation in our academic scenarios. We can also drive home the importance of doing research, knowing your knowledge, applying that knowledge, and where to find that knowledge. That's the way I taught it.
Episode References, Pilot's Handbook of Aeronautical Knowledge, Chapter 13. Aeronautical Information Manual, Section 7, Section 1. Sorry, Chapter 7, Section 1. Aviation Weather Handbook, Chapter 26. Advisory Circular 00-45, Aviation Weather, Chapter 5, and Personal Experience.